the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome to the Pro-America Report. I'm Andrea Kay, and I know it's Monday, and y'all were probably hoping that uh, you would tune into the show and hear Ed Martin. But let me tell you, it looks like he's going to be back real soon, so we'll keep you posted on that progress. He's just enjoying his time off, and can you blame him? Um, so we look forward to having him back as well. Well, and, heck, when but- he looks good in the crocodile Dundee vest, I mean, you got to just take as much time as you can, Andrea. Well, that's right, right? Look, if AOC can go around and she can go off on a walkabout down to Florida, even though she badmouths. So can so Ed bad, Martin. Right, Ed Martin can go on a walkabout anywhere he wants to as well. It's just interesting. I haven't seen him send any pics or post any of him in a crocodile Dundee leather vest. Um, Maybe but he's anyway. with Tom Delbacaro on a fishing boat. <laughs> okay, that's a joke only for the Andrea K. Show listeners. Hey, glad to have you guys with us today. We've got a great lineup for you. I'm super excited to be uh, uh, be filling in Ed's uh, Ferragamo shoes or his crocodile boots uh, this week. Um, and as usual, we're going to start off with the wink today. We've got two great guests lined up for you. We've got Todd Benzman is going to be here. You know, he is just probably the best journalist on on what's happening at the border. He's going to be here. And remember when the left was all obsessed about Putin and Russia? Remember that? We don't hear much about that anymore, but you know what? We should be talking about it. And Ted Malik, Dr. Ted Malik, is going to be here with an interesting take on what's going on with Putin and a really interesting, if not controversial, idea on what should happen. And then at the end of the show, we're going to have the what you need to do for me, uh, for you guys. on And and really, and I want to say something, uh, you know, when it comes to the what you need to do, we're not about trying to bark orders at anybody here, right? We're just about sharing ideas because we know that you out there the who love this country, who listen to Ed Martin regularly, if not daily, it's because you love this country and you're willing to actually do something. You're so pro-America, you're actually willing to do something to affect change instead of just sitting around complaining but you know feel free if you if you got an other ideas for what you can do please please share those you follow ed on twitter at eagle ed martin instagram facebook as well and we would love to hear from you guys on whatever ideas you have for what we need to do um and y'all also know that voice that's technical director noah here on pro america report and my partner in crime on the andrea case every night also known as dj potato skins Hey, I'm enjoying um, in actually a, a bowl of instant oats right now, the overnight mm-hmm. uh, instant oats. And uh, so one day only, DJ Instant Oats at your service, Pro America okay. Report audience. Well, they're not exactly instant when they've been sitting in your fridge overnight. No, dear. I know. Just, I miss just both. Hey, right Monday morning or, you know, uh, Tuesday morning, whatever time yeah. it is. I'm so I'm exhausted. Okay. I am too. And um but I found some things that we, I got my energy up when I found some really interesting items to share with you guys. You find? What what you need to know? A couple of interesting poll numbers. Uh, we know that uh, SCOTUS heard the the shot mandate. To, well, there was there's been multiple lawsuits filed across the country on these shot mandates. They were pared down into two 
main areas that were heard before the Supreme Court on Friday. One regarding from the CMS regarding Medicaid and, and Medicare health workers and the other, the OSHA requirement for businesses and companies that have over 100 employees. I, I'm not an expert on SCOTUS, but I did hear a report that they've actually added an additional day to their calendar, which will be this Thursday to announce results. And I believe that will be for this very serious, important ruling on behalf of the mandates. So stay tuned for that. In addition to that, what I found interesting and think you guys need to know is you can feel as though if you're anti-mandate, if you're, you're pro-freedom and pro-America, sometimes if you're paying attention to, to just the legacy media, you might think you're alone. You might not realize how many Americans actually stand in, in, in that uh, in that area with you, in that arena with you, in spite of the fact we know the New York Times said over 90% of age 65 and up have had at least one shot and 86% of those 18 and up have had at least one shot. Still, you're going to find this interesting as well, Noah. What you need to know is 49%, this is according to a poll uh, as reported by Job Creators Network who uh, filed a, a lawsuit um, uh, regarding the mandates, 49% of employees say that they will quit before getting the shot. Good for them. I mean, for- you have to draw the line on the sands somewhere, Andrea. You can't, you know, if you believe so strongly in freedom and against these mandates, regardless of what's in them, and we all know what's in them, you can't just back down and kowtow. You have to stand up. Well, not only that, but if you think about but 49%. Half the country. Almost, that's half the country. That's where we're at. And you would think at this point with the Omicron and all these reports going on with the surge and this and that, you would think that, th- that those numbers would be lower, but it's not. The Democrats know, the Biden administration, they know that they're losing the narrative here, in part because CDC Director Walensky was have, had to admit this weekend a couple of really key important points that you absolutely must know. First thing was is that she said over 75% of deaths – are those with at least, and I am quoting, over 75% of deaths are those with at least four comorbidities. Let that sink in. And you and you I were, were talking about this since the very beginning, Andrea. Those that are really affected by COVID, that's exactly why, those comorbidities. Well, they, and they withheld this information. We're going to we're going into, into year number two, right? And one of the things that I said from the beginning was it did not make sense that the numbers did not bear out. And I could see it initially because so much of what fed the hysteria here in this country was Italy. And we're going to become like Italy. And when I looked at what happened, what was happening in Italy, it was uh, almost all the deaths were over 85, 85 years old and, and with multiple comorbidities. Right. And in fact, the deaths in Italy, the average age of, the, of those dying in Italy were older than the average age of death in, in, in Italy. Um, they have been lying from the beginning, telling us that everybody had an equal chance of getting it and everybody had an equal chance of dying from it. And that has never been true. And they're finally forced to admit it now. I don't know why they finally are forced to admit it. I don't know. I don't know. You know, when they when they make an admission, it's because they plan to have some kind of policy or something, some agenda coming forth on it. Um, the other thing that she admitted, and this could and it could be the the forthcoming plan based upon that admission of the death rate, could have something to do with the fact that she also admitted that shots don't stop the spread of it. And I think that um, – and let that sink in for a moment. 
Because were we not told? Were, were American citizens not left to die with the denial of therapeutics because, because we had to get these shots out to people because the only way that we were going to stop the spread was through these shots, right? Yeah, we were told that they were, you know, 90 some percent effective and it was going to stop the spread. And that's going to be further from the truth. Right. Over 90 percent effective to stop the spread on one shot. And then it became two shots and then it became booster one. Then it became booster two. Then it became booster three. Now they're forced to admit it, particularly when you got AOC who went down to Florida bragging about how she had gotten the shots and she had had multiple boosters. Now she's sitting at home supposedly sick with COVID. There's no such thing as a breakthrough case. Breakthrough cases implies that it's an oddity. It's an abnormality. It's an outlier, as we talk as we talk about in statistics. Pretty much everybody getting it has gotten the shots at this point. And the, and the, 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 uh, and I think the reason why they're admitting this here is because it's about continuing to push out the idea that you're just going to have to continue to get boosted, continue to get boosted. They're acting like this is new information, that the deaths are about people with comorbidity. One of the reasons why they're not encouraging anybody to get rid of the comorbidities by exercising and diet, et cetera, is they want to continue with these, with pushing the boosters. Something else you need to know is Moderna has come out today and said they're going to have a vaccine, Noah, for the Omicron variant by March in two months. What happened to legitimate vaccines? I mean, we've all heard about it. We all know how the science works. It takes to get a legitimate vaccine to market. It takes years. And they're warp speeding these things, you know, in, in mere months and expecting us to trust them. I don't think so. Well, uh, this is why they're amping it out in two months. This is they're trying desperately to get you on board with these boosters and being and and getting these shots and getting these shots. As Dr. Michael Yaden said, who was with Pfizer for 30 years, he said the end game is to be able to have to have you so under submission and so under the will of the government that they will be able to go from computer into your arm. And look and think about the progression. It went from five to 10 years for shots. These were pushed out in nine months and now two months. Next step will be straight from the computer into your arm. No testing whatsoever. And that's a part of the technocracy movement that we've talked about many times on the Andrea Show. I know the technocracy thing. I know we're wrapping up this segment, Andrea, but we've talked about it on your show. We talked about it briefly here on Ed's show. Technocracy, you look at it surface level. Maybe it seems like something that's far-fetched, maybe a little bit of a conspiracy. Dig into it. It is very real. Well, in order to have technocracy is part of a three-legged stool to implement communism in this this country. And uh, that's... um, they got to get it. They had to get us to the mindset of submission with the masks and et cetera. And then now through these shots and the passports, et cetera, you're going to have to have it on your phone. And that gets us under the control of the technocrats and um, and, and ushers us into a submissive uh, state uh, as a nation with a centralized system of power with complete control over our lives and over our persons. And then we're also seeing as another uh, another aspect to that will be the economy um, uh, with with currency being digital. And last point I want to make, speaking of poll numbers, and I know we're running a little bit over, an AP poll came out that 30, only 37% of Americans say that COVID is one of their top five, five concerns, as opposed to 53% a year ago, and that 68% uh, have the economy as their top issue. 
So that's an important point, particularly as we're thinking about a technocracy movement in this country. I am past the point of a break. Later on in the show, we'll tell you what you need to do. And coming up, we're going to talk to, we're going to shift gears. We're going to go all the way. I can see Russia from my house, said Sarah Palin, where you're going to hear about Russia on the next segment. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Pro-America Report. I'm Andrea Kay, happily filling in for Ed Martin. Enjoy my time while I'm here. He's expected to be back soon. We'll keep you posted on that. Uh, joining me again as I've been filling in for Ed, super excited to have another chance to talk to this gentleman, Dr. Ted Malik. Um, before the break, I was uh, joking with you guys. I'm old enough to remember when all we heard all day long, every day on the legacy media and the Dems was, oh, Trump's a uh, Putin's puppet and uh, Russia's interfering here here and we got to be concerned about Putin, 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 and we don't hear anything about him anymore, but we really need to be paying attention to him because he's a, Putin is a man with the plan and it includes, according to Ted Malik, it includes uh, him having the goal of the demise of the West and here to share with you everything you need to know about Putin is Dr. Ted Malik. Hi, Dr. Ted. Thank you for being with us again. <laughs> Good to be with you. Thanks. Thanks. I hope you don't mind me calling you Dr. Ted. I don't know why I decided to do that just now. Uh, um, like I'm a medical doctor or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, quite frankly, I consider you more of a medical doctor than Fauci, so there's that. Um, okay, so you say in your article on AM Greatness that there's two things the U.S. needs to keep in mind in dealing with um, Putin and Russia. Um, and you've got an interesting idea, suggestion in there for what to do. So uh, walk us through this. What what do we need to do? Well, we're going to have to deal with Putin. Of course, the diplomats are meeting this week in Geneva, but he's amassed. Well, he's been in the Donetsk region for eight, for eight years, so we all talk about him invading. He's already there. Uh, but he's got over 100,000. Some estimates uh, that I've talked to, these are people actually on the ground who, quote, unquote, intelligence people who know, say it's 175,000 highly trained uh Troops. That's a hundred tactical battlefield battalions with uh, artillery and tanks ready to go. So um, he's serious. Um, his invasion, uh, you know, we could say would be costly. Could be a mistake. But I actually believe it's very likely that this is going to happen in the next two weeks. So I make these two points because uh, we. Well, first of all, let me let me first excuse yeah. me for interrupting, uh, Dr. Ted Malik. Why then? But why the next two weeks? Why would he do that? Why that time uh, frame? The, ti- the timing is because of the winter cold. Okay. Um, the ground is frozen in that part uh, of Eastern Europe, and you have a limited, probably six to eight week period during which you could do this kind of exercise. So nature comes into play there. I mean, you could do it at other points in time, but it wouldn't be as easy. Gotcha. Okay. Reason, yeah. The second reason is because he basically thinks, uh, and with Putin, he's usually, you know, two chest moves ahead of you. He thinks he has us over a barrel that we're weak, that he can divide Europe from the U S and that because of Afghanistan in particular, Biden can be played, can be rolled. Is he wrong? It hurts me to say it. No. 
Wow. Scary. So what, what, what can, what should we do? Um, what should be, we, what should we do as a nation? What should we be doing in concert with our allies? Yeah. So, I mean, two of my points in terms of background are about Russian weakness. They, they have an inferiority complex. They lost the cold war. They feel encircled. I use the analogy of uh, like cornering an injured animal. Yeah. You know, some people will know what that feels like <laughs> or had that experience maybe with their dog even. And um, that's where Putin is at present. So Russia also has this complex, uh, which I talk about, uh, you know, at some great length. Uh, uh, some people on the conservative side think we should just leave Putin alone. I get emails like this all the time. He's not a bad guy. You know, he's a nationalist. He's actually become an Orthodox Christian. Why don't we just let him do his thing? Uh, that would be a, a disaster and a mistake. I mean, Putin is still Putin. Uh, he's an ex-KGB intelligence officer, and the Russians do not have our goodwill in mind. So we have to come up with another solution. So what is that solution? Well, the preferable solution is obviously a diplomatic one, which would mean, you know, a peaceful uh, kind of accord, some kind of way of going ahead, even if it meant some compromise. Uh, is that possible? Maybe not in this case. So I came up with this really grand idea. Now, I would like to say it was my idea, but the actual uh, author of this idea was the original George Bush. So it goes back to the time when I was working in the State Department and on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, just about the time when the Soviet Union fell. The idea was out there that Maybe, like we have done with Poland, Czechoslovakia, and you know, other Eastern European countries, we could fold them into the West and make them part of NATO, and we could put them on our team instead of opposed to us. So I, I say, facetiously, why don't we just make Putin an offer? Then he won't need any defense. He won't have to do any of this. We'll just make him a NATO member if he behaves well. Do you think him becoming a NATO member is is such a such a um, a reward for him? Does he would he see it as, as as enough of a reward to to play nice so that he could have that you know um, that award on his mantle? <laughs> uh, no, no, not in the case of Putin, probably not. So I mean, I, I mean, I, I think it's just a wish. I mean, uh, even about my own good thinking here, I call it wishful thinking. I mean, but if you wanted to join the West and you wanted to do away with all those, uh, you know, past uh, uh, memories, you didn't want to be encircled and you didn't want to spend all that money on defense and you wanted to be on the winning side. And there has been this long trend in Russian history going back hundreds of years, all the way to Peter the Great, where the Russians wanted to be, you know, seen as a Western empire. So you could yes. play to some of that. You could play to some of that and say to Putin, under the best of circumstances, here's an offer you can't refuse. That's where I ended the article. I'm afraid that's wishful thinking. I think in well, terms of what we're going to be looking at is something much more dire. Well, I'm not, you know, there are people that say, well, what is it really for the U.S.? So that's not a border we should be we should be worried about over there. But then at the same token, we see that Russia is involved in what's happening in Kazakhstan, right? Uh, it, I'm yeah, not sure. Yeah, no, yeah. They are, right? I mean, they're, you know, that's where, where you know, the people were rising up in the streets over the economic issues. And, and Russia's like, oh, no, you don't. 
don't, um, you know, we're not, you're well, not a part of the USSR anymore. Georgia, Russia's involved in Ukraine, Russia took Crimea, Russia's involved in Belarus. So there are lots of points of evidence that suggest that Putin is on the march, that he'd like to put back together at least the Soviet Union, if not the Warsaw Pact. Right. And, and you may be onto something here because, you know, if, if he's somebody that um, his goal is to, you know, destroy the West, then if you can maybe get him psyched on getting a participation trophy for being a part of the West, you know, I, you know, I wouldn't mind if you gave me a little gold plated thing to put on his mantle and say, OK, you're one of us, like you're part of our fraternity now, but we're just not going to invite you to any of our socials on Thursday nights and Fridays. Right. I mean, you know. Um, I, I mean, I feel like there, it, from a diplomatic standpoint, why not try it? I'm not sure, you know, um, I mean, we've done dopier things from a foreign policy standpoint, right? Like the, the Iran nuke deal. <laughs> yeah, no, we've done far dopier things. Uh, I don't think in the end, unfortunately, I hate to be pessimistic, but that Putin would fall, you know, for such a um, a clever idea. He has in mind putting together what fell down in 1989, yes. 1990, when I was working against the Soviets. Uh, he'd like to put that back together, at least in some shape or form. And the next step in that plan for him is to build a land bridge between Russia through the Donbass, through the town of or city of Maripol, into the Ukraine. So that would mean he would end up taking one third of the Ukraine and also destabilizing the Ukrainian government. Mm -hmm. that, that is his strategic thinking and probably that of his generals. Is China involved in, in any of this behind the scenes? Not directly. I, I mean, I, I mean, I think there is some, uh, you know, rapprochement between uh, Russia and China. There are some similar interests. There's some, anti-American fever, but no, they're not involved on the ground. Well, I tell you, I'm, I'm flashing now on Hillary Clinton with a reset button, right? Remember, <laughs> remember her little reset button? And then she, Very then, well. uh, uh, and then the plan at that point, from that point forward, was she was almost like the business development person for over there, setting up the Russian Silicon Valley. So, I mean, you know, that was an attempt, right, to try to bring them into the West by trying to assist in, in their ec economic efforts, which was really just a backhanded way for the Clintons to make some more money. Um, you know, at, at least I guess we could say he was quiet for a little while, um, but maybe not because it wasn't what maybe a year or two after that or even in the middle of that was when he first went into um, the Crimea. So I think you're right. I think that ultimately I think it's wishful thinking that anything is going to really stop him, uh, you know, from at least attempting to fulfill his dream, which is putting back the USSR. And unfortunately, Biden ain't the man to stop it, is he? Wrap us up 30 seconds. No, I'm, I'm afraid not. He's been wrong in every foreign policy issue, as Bob Gates said, uh, his entire lifetime. There, you know, there are proposals to do harsher economic sanctions, including in the financial realm. I'm afraid they would not have the bite that would cause Putin not to act. Well, that leaves military uh, action, and I, I think there. we're not going to go there. No. I guarantee you, we will not see American or NATO troops in the eastern Ukraine, and we're not willing to go to nuclear war to achieve that end. 
Well, it's it's a perplexing situation, and I'm thank you for putting some focus on it. And y- y'all need to go to Arita's article at AM Greatness. It's Dr. Ted Malik, and the article is dealing with Putin. Two things the United States should keep in mind: dealing with Vlad- Vladimir Putin and Russia, as well as once in a lifetime opportunity to promote peace. Thank you for being here. Yeah. You. you too. All right, y'all stay tuned. We're, we're going to shift from the Russian border over in Ukraine down to the U.S. border. We've got Todd Benzman from the Center of Immigration Studies joining us next. Stay tuned. Welcome back to today's Pro-America Report. I'm Andrea Kay filling in for Brother Ed Martin, and I'm glad to have with me a guest who's been on every week since I've been filling in for Ed, and it's Todd Benzman. He's a fellow at the Center for Immigration Studies, and he's also got a great book out called America's Covert Border War that you guys need to read. I think he is doing the best reporting of anybody out on the border, and he joins me again here. Hi, Todd Benzman. Welcome back. Hi, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Certainly. Um, Okay, the first time I interviewed you, the first week I was filling in for Ed, you reported on this Yemeni terrorist, I think it was, that was released by Mexican authorities, and there was a bolo out for him beyond the lookout. Um, Any updates on that that you can tell us? Well, I haven't written anything, but um, I did have a... uh, a source, a knowledgeable source in the intelligence community tell me that when this uh, Yemeni was apprehended by the Mexicans back in April, they deported him all the way back to Yemen. But, and then, and then of course he came back. We know that he came back and they caught him a second time in July. But the big question was, well, you know, what, what happened to him between there and, Uh, I was told that the Mexican intelligence officers who accompanied him back to Yemen left in Europe and he slipped off the airplane. He just never embarked from the European transit country there. And so from there, he just simply turned around and managed to get himself all the way back to Mexico, (laughs) all of which is supposed to be done in very close coordination since he's on an FBI watch list and they knew it uh, with the Americans and just that uh, both the Mexicans and the Americans are too overwhelmed to keep track of terror watch listed migrants coming through. And that was my fear in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was also told that, you know, there is, there's been no uh, accountability. Nobody has been punished. Nobody has been. There's been no investigation. My administration's DHS does not care that this migrant on the FBI's terror watch list was lost, and nobody knew knows where he is. I don't know if he's been caught, but I think that they don't know where he is still. Well, that's um, yeah. Um, it's incredibly disturbing. It, it, I started to say shocking, but it's not, given that this is uh, the Biden administration, and they have not been um, it, it, certainly as as effective at, at working with the Mexican government to, to assist us. If they've if they've done anything in working with the Mexican government to assist us, and you know, and we're certainly not going to see any of this on the legacy media out there. They're not going to be reporting 
reporting that there's that there's terrorists, Islamic terrorists roaming around that uh, either whether they've been apprehended or not. They don't want the American people to know that they want the American people to think that 100 percent of everybody coming across this border is coming here with good intentions of working construction or jobs that Americans don't want. Right. That's that's the, the false narrative or that their children, um, you know, that none of them, none of them are related to cartels. None of them are related to um, being men who could be staying in their own countries and taking care of their own countries instead of coming here and, and living off of the American people. And there's just no – why is it that we can't seem to get the Republican Party, Todd Benzman, to put as much focus on this issue as you are? I'm not hearing – we don't expect to hear it from the legacy media, but shouldn't we see more of our, our Republican officials down there at the border keeping eyes on this issue? Well, the Republican lawmakers that I'm in regular touch with, and I do spend time on the Hill uh, briefing them and talking to them, especially the Texas delegation. I live in Texas. Uh, they are very concerned about these issues. They do spend some time, but they express frustration that they are the party not in power. Uh, there is a huge amount of, um, you know, frustration and they, they wonder what can we do? What can we do? They're constantly asking what we can do. <laughs> and, you know, their hands are kind of tied because, you know, these matters are, uh, executive office matters for the most part. It's DHS, it's central federal government stuff, immigration for the most part, especially when you're dealing with another country, you got state department and your, Mm -hmm. uh, intelligence community. And those are the ones that do things about this. Right. And right. You know, what's a congressman to do? You know, well, I, well, I guess what I would like him to do is keep the focus on it. You know, uh, the, the Biden administration is getting away with it. I mean, how many Americans know right now that a court ordered the Biden administration to I implement the state, the remain in Mexico? And that, the, that, I mean, I think we had, we did have a committee hearing, I think, where Mayorkas was asked about it. But I just feel like this is such, I mean, we have no nation if we don't have borders, right? And I said years ago yeah. on my own show that the number one issue we faced in this country was our borders, the southern borders, our economic borders, and our virtual borders, as well as our cyber borders where, you know, we had had China during the Obama years that had hacked into, the, I think it was the GAO and stole the identities of 40,000 Americans. And we just don't seem to be doing anything about the, these issues. And, you know, I think there's now there's reports today that the Biden administration or reports at the end of last week, the Biden administration used COVID relief funds to fly illegals into Pennsylvania. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't heard that one, but you know, listen, it's, Every every other day is there's a new outrage uh, that's, you know, for the mm -hmm. first ever inaugural time that something happened uh, that shouldn't have happened. Uh, and so I'm not surprised by that at all. But listen, I think that the uh, you know, you're absolutely correct that the institutional media in this country are not properly focusing on this issue, at least from my vantage point. It's a big story that Mexico and the Americans lost a Yemeni on a terror watch list. Yeah. This happened. That is a big story. Where is he? There should be pressure. There should be questions. There should be hearings. There should be calls for hearings. There should be called, calls for OIG investigations, audits, whatever, whatever it takes. What happened here? And how dangerous is this person? 
where are they? Because if this person attacks, uh, then you will see congressional mm-hmm. hearings. But why do we have to have blood in the street already in order right. for that and, to happen? Right. And where's the FBI investigation? You know, we've got, we've got this counterterrorism unit spending more time, you know, roaming around trying to round up anybody that, that you know, um, was roaming around the Capitol on January 6th or a parent that's gone to a school board meeting. Well, we don't seem to have a counterterrorism unit stopping, uh, you know, a, a terrorists from coming across the border. He wasn't the only Yemeni who's coming here. Is he? No, that's right. Oh, no, absolutely. You're right. We have had, as I reported, uh, at least two other Yemenis who were uh, on the federal uh, terrorism watch list cross. And we also had somebody who was initially described as a Saudi uh, just on December 20th cross in through the Yuma sector uh, into California. And he was caught. He was also on the terror watch list. And the original announcement was that that Saudi was connected somehow to Yemeni subjects of interest. So, you know, it, you know, you would wonder if something is going on, something organized is going on out there, but uh, even if it's not organized, uh, listen, when the border is in this kind of this advanced stage of disarray, all of the normal programs and checks and balances that we have set up for people like these Yemenis is off the rails. Nothing is normal. And it's the same way for the Mexicans. I write in my book, about the American Mexican relationship, collaborative relationship on terror, excuse me, on terrorist migrants they are normally working very closely together. They, the Mexicans alert the Americans when they have people like Yemenis, uh, who then they run it through their terrorist watch, bit, watch list uh, databases. It comes back and the FBI will go into the Mexican detention facilities and interrogate these people and decide what to do. Sometimes the Mexicans and the Americans arrange to pass over pass the migrant off to the Americans on an international bridge. Uh, Sometimes they just deport them. I don't see evidence that any of that happened here. The Mexicans, I was told the Mexicans just released this guy with a whole bunch of Central Americans to clear out their detention facility. Well, you know, um, uh, there should be some type of it. If we've got a, a working relationship with them and they violated it, there should be some repercussions for that. And hopefully next time you're here, you'll be able to give us an update that this person has been found. And I just want to thank you. Everybody needs to get your book, America's uh, Covert Border War. And um, thank you for what you're doing to make us aware of what's happening at the border. Thank you, Todd Benzman. I appreciate it. Hey, listen, I'll be uh, headed down to the Guatemala-Mexico border on Thursday. If anybody wants to follow me on Getter or Twitter and just kind of read me because I'll be looking for uh, immigrants like that. I'll be interviewing them. Well, you stay safe, Todd Benzman. We'll be sure to follow you. You stay safe and then report with us next week on what you found. Yep, I'll be there. Thank you so much. All right, y'all stay tuned. Coming up, we have the What You Need to Do segment. Don't go away. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, a constitutional attorney and articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. 
The Christmas season may be over, but the supply chain crisis can still be felt by American consumers. Our nation depends on cargo companies throughout the year, and President Biden should be blamed if shipments don't arrive in time because his administration is laying the groundwork for vaccine mandates and incentivizing workers to stay home with large unemployment payments. This impacts military readiness because the federal government depends on private carriers to transport soldiers and deliver goods for them. It's hardly fair to the troops for Biden to impose arbitrary requirements so oppressive that private companies are either unable or unwilling to take on government business. However, government contracts are not the only casualties of Biden's failure. Shortages in everything from new cars to specialty items in grocery stores already plague our economy. The last thing we need is more ineptitude in our nation's supply chain. Trucking companies impacted by Biden's mandates could lose up to 37 percent of their drivers, according to the American Trucking Association. Truck drivers, like many occupations that form the backbone of our economy, value their independence and do not like being ordered to take an experimental vaccine. Democrats don't seem to grasp the fact that workers are free to walk off the job anytime over a vaccine mandate or any other policy they disagree with. Right now, a worker with a clean record and a can-do attitude could have employers fighting over the chance to hire him. Millions are doing exactly this. Continuing to work or taking on a new job is a sacrifice of one's time and part of his life. And fewer want that if it means having to quit to avoid taking another experimental vaccine or booster shot. Supply chains affect every American, so all of us should have a voice in how the market is run. Thankfully, the free market economy is built to give everyone a voice in the form of their spending choices. Unnecessary government interventions not only stifle the free market system, but silence consumers. This is bad policy and government overreach at its worst. And it's time for it to change. Thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. You'll be glad to know the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly continues. Upheld by Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Chairman Helen Marie Taylor, Treasurer John Schlafly, a full staff in St. Louis and our nation's capital, and thousands of citizen volunteers, her Eagles, across the country. You can be part of that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Welcome back to Pro-America Report. Andrea Kay here, filling in for Ed Martin. Okay, so now it's time for the What You Need to Do part of the show. At the open of the show, we told you guys that admissions from the CDC that uh, over 75% of the deaths are people with four comorbidities admitting that these shots do not stop the spread yet they're continuing even though they know that not everybody's an equal chance of getting it or giving it or dying from it they know that these shots don't work they are determined to try to force these shots on healthy individuals and they're also determined on seizing control over our workplace right so what do you need to do you need to get out to the streets Here in San Diego, we had a Freedom Revival 2022 event that was attended by over a thousand people in downtown San Diego. I also said at the open of the show that 49% of employees say that they will quit before they will get the jab. You are not alone. But the problem is, is we don't have enough people out on the street so that they can see that they're part of a massive movement right now to stop the tyranny in the United States. There was even a rally. There were moms that took to the streets in New York City. There are people all across this country 
country, organized at the local level, and that's what we need to do. We need to get active, and we need to actually get out in the street. They need to see us together. One of the reasons why they want to isolate, one of the reasons why they want to quarantine us, one of the reasons why they want to pay us to stay at home is because they want you to feel isolated. They don't want you to know that you are connected to millions of Americans who, like you, want to preserve what this country was founded on. And it was not, it was founded on individual liberty and individual freedom and responsibility, not a centralized government controlling every aspect of your life. Get active, people. Find out where you've got, uh, you've got freedom movement organizations and, and civic groups in your area and take to the streets any other ideas you might have noah no i mean that's what we've been saying all along andrea on, on your show and also we reiterating it here on ed show you can't just you know, stick your head in the sand and hope this is all going to go away you do that and it's only going to get worse the problem will not be solved and you'll lose any opportunity you have to you know take our freedoms back that have been taken away from us so you got to get active and you got to get involved with people that are having the same feelings about this country as you do it will inspire you it will energize you it will encourage you it will tell you that you're not alone they want you to feel alone and by the way they're paying attention they're watching everything that be from the beginning going back into february of 2020 was about taking the temperature how walensky said herself when it came to shifting guidelines for isolation it depends on what the people will take what they'll put up with so the more we take to the streets the more we show this movement together this movement to the to restore the freedoms that are guaranteed to us our rights come from god not from man and the more we take to the streets they will be paying attention as they think about the next steps and what they're going to do if scotus sends these mandates back down at the state level. Here's our time. They're paying attention to what we're doing. Let's show them that we are not going to hand this country over to the Marxists within it, that we are going to fight and we are going to restore and preserve the freedoms that are granted to us by God and documented in the U.S. Constitution. So that's what I think you need to do. Hey, follow me on Twitter and all the socials at Andrea K. Follow Ed at Eagle Ed Martin. Thank you, producer Joanna. Thank you, technical director Noah. Thank you to our guest, Dr. Ted Malik and Todd Benzman from Center of Immigration Studies. And I hope you all have a great day and I'll be back in tomorrow for Ed. Is the Pro America Report on the Answer San Diego? Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.